Good morning. It's so good to be able to be together to come and to worship the God in heaven. Before we get started, I'd like to extend a special thanks to those that are visiting with us. We are so grateful to have you here. There are many that come that on a week, weekly basis, and we are encouraged by your presence. We ask if, if you would, fill out the card in the, the pew in front of you, and we'll have record of your attendance Hopefully, if there's any way we can assist you, we ask that include that in that card and we'll try and be of help. Today is a special day because we are getting ready to have a graduation banquet. There are many people that are getting, getting to a point in their lives where there's a change. There's a milestone that they make it to. And now from this point on, whether they go to to greater heights of schooling, or possibly they go on to a job, whatever it might be, whether a doctor or an officer, a firefighter, an accountant, whatever it might be, they're at a milestone in their life where they go on to something different. But there is a job that will never go away. As long as we live, as long as we strive to be faithful to God, there is a job that we will always have. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, as was just read, we are stewards of the mysteries of God. We are ministers of Christ. Today, as we, as we begin our study, we'll be noticing our main text. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, we'll be noticing God's stewards. As Christians, as those that want to be followers of Christ... We are stewards for God. The idea of steward within itself implies that of a certain type of servant. It's a special servant. He serves in a way for his master, whether it be over other servants or over some of the master's goods. It's an important servant. He does something special for his master. First, as we, we begin, we'll notice our appearance. If you notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, as it begins, the verse says, let a man so account of us. There's a regard, there's a way in which we are seen. There's an appearance that we show forth. People look at us and they need to recognize immediately something about us. It says, let a man so account of us as of the minister's of Christ. There's something special about this person. He's a minister for Christ. He's out doing Christ's will. He's teaching others about the glorious gospel. I think of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 where it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Notice once again there's an appearance that we have that people look at us and immediately they see within us Christ living in us. They see the light which is Christ. John chapter 1 records how Jesus is the light. Through us, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, that light that shines out is Christ. Is that of us living in a way that he's taught us to live. Living as he has instructed us in his scriptures as we live and strive to follow his commands. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, just prior to this, if you catch the context going down through chapter 3, Paul is telling them, he says, it's not about me. Verse, verse 5, it says, who then is Paul or who is Apollos? But ministers 
of Christ. Now when you catch this idea of minister, it is another term that means a servant. It's not something where we're put up on a pedestal, though today oftentimes even the term minister is, is something that people look at and they're like, whoa, the minister. No, minister is something that I'm a servant to help you. As a Christian, we are all ministers. We're striving to spread the good news. We're striving to tell others about that of Christ. That was the idea that Paul is relaying to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice if you would, skip down to verse 20. It says, And again the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Wherefore, or therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul, talking about himself, or of Paulus, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, all things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. There's, there's a ladder there. The way that it works is the purpose of everything around us is for that of the gospel. It's for that of God. Paul says, my purpose is to help, is to help you. Apollos' purpose is to help you. Who then are they? They're helpers for us. We're all on the same path. Jared Rhodes should be viewed as one that's here to help you. And when I look at you, I like to think that each one of you I view as a person that is here to help me. You want to help me to get, get to heaven just as much as I want to help you. Now, keeping that in mind, what they're talking about, as the point is, we're here to help each other. Verse 1 says, let a man so account of us. Let also us be just like Paul. Let us be just like Apollos. Let us be just like Cephas. Our purpose is to help all others reach that home in heaven. It's help others to submit to the will of Christ, to submit to the will of God. And then we're on the right track. We're on the right step. As far as the ladder goes, we're going the right direction. Our purpose is to put God first is to put him forth as the one that's supreme, the one that we serve. It's not the importance in stressing that of man. If you notice in Matthew chapter 23, verses 7 and 8, it talks about that of rabbi. It says, call, call, call no one rabbi because there's one that's your master. Who's that master? That master is Christ. We don't stress the man talking about human beings still today. There's only one human being that ever was, was of importance. That was Jesus Christ when he lived on the earth. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 says, For we therefore both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Then notice it also says, Who is the Savior of all men. We're stressing God's plan. We're not stressing that of the man, but we're stressing the Savior. The point is we want to tell others about Christ. As ministers of Christ... That's the job that we have at hand. That is the job we have to do. Not only should we be viewed as a worker for God, but we also must be an encourager. We want to be an encourager of God's people. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, to push them to do good works, to push them to love. That's the purpose. Let us consider one another. I consider you, you consider me. We work together to push each other to that home in heaven, keeping our eyes on that goal, keeping our eyes on that, that, that light at the end of the tunnel, the home where we will be rewarded. There are many reasons 
why we should want to be with those that worship. There are many reasons that we come together on the first day of the week. We can take account in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. We see that the early church, what did they do? It says upon the first day of the week, when they came together, part of what they did was giving, mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. But as they, we follow that example, we also want to get together on the first day of the week. But not only do we want to get together on the first day of the week because they said, but because the first church, the first century church did, we also want to get together on the first day of the week because we look at Hebrews chapter 10. Notice in verse 25, we just looked at verse 24, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It says we don't want to do that. We don't want to be apart from the other Christians. Not only do we want to be together with Christians because it says not forsaking the assembling, but verse 24 said, you want to be together because you encourage me. You want to be together because someone else here hopefully can encourage you. We're working together for that home in heaven. There's a reason why we should come together and meet when we have opportunity. There's a reason why as Christians we should have a desire to be together because we've got something in common. We've got something in common that we're striving for our home in heaven. We want to be viewed as an encourager of God's people. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up. It's that of encouraging. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 18, it says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. It's talking about fellow laborers for God. Comfort them with this book. Comfort them with the gospel because there is a home in heaven for those that are living by it. There is a home in heaven for all those that are striving to do what's right and put the word first and follow it. Notice also that we're viewed as helper of God's people. We want to be people that help others. Not only do we want to help God's people, but it goes even further. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them which are the household of faith. Notice also in Matthew chapter 5, five Jesus, as his first sermon, as he's, as he's teaching here, he says, Now you've heard that it's been said, Do good to them that love you and those people that don't, that aren't your friends, that are your enemies, <laughs> don't do anything for them. He says, don't be good to them, but he says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. He says, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that despitefully use you and persecute you. The new law, the law that Christ gives, is do good to all men. We want to be helpers of God's people and all those around us. If you notice in Titus chapter 2 verse 14 talking about Christians he says a peculiar people zealous of good works. That's the kind of people God wants. They're special and in one, one thing in what, one way in which they're special is they're zealous of good works. For all mankind the purpose is to show that goodness, that love to all people. Not only is it important how people view us, not only is it important about our appearance, but our actions are also important. We must be one that is out and planning. We can think of Luke 
chapter 8. You notice there the, the parable of the sower. As you go through the parable of the sower, you see the different types of ground that he casts, casts the seed on, but you notice he's still sowing. He's still sowing, and he's hoping for a crop. He's still sowing, and he's got a, a wish and a hope and a prayer that it'll stick with someone. And as you read through that parable, you realize that it did stick with someone. There was some good ground that it did fall upon. And they made a change. It says, and they brought forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. We must be a planner. Notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Right before our text, in verse 6, Paul says, I watered Apollos. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. There are, there are three different steps that took place there, and all of those together brought forth a Christian. If it wasn't for Paul planting that seed, if it wasn't for Apollos coming about and watering the seed, and if it wasn't for God fulfilling his part and giving the increase, this would have never came about. We see that we must be a planter, but also, as was just mentioned, we must be a waterer. One that waters. We've got to be one that goes out and waters. Look at what Apollos did. He said, I water. Well, Paul said that Apollos watered. He went out and fulfilled that part. There are two different things that take place there. I mentioned, I, I noted on the screen, Acts chapter 18, verses 26 and 27, where you see in another Apollos, as he's out teaching, it says Aquila and Priscilla, they took him and they... They, starts with a P and I forgot the word. Uh, they expounded, it's not a P. They expounded the, the way of the Lord unto him more perfectly. They watered. They helped to teach. They encouraged. They did what it took to help this Apollos learn more. They did what they could to help that seed grow. We must be a planter, we must be a waterer, and we must also be a caretaker. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Comfort one another. Notice also Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Right after they were told to go forth and to teach in verse 19. Right after they were told that following this teaching the world, it says that they were, they were baptized. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Even after someone has taken on Christ in baptism, even after they've begun that life with Christ, the work is not over. It says teaching them to observe all things. There's a continual study. Every day that I open the Bible and I study from it, I'm bound to find something new. I'm bound to, to learn more, to gain a stronger faith. That is the goal that we should have as Christians. It's not only important our appearance, what people look at us like. It's not only important what actions that we have, but it's also important in our adherence to the gospel. Notice verse 2. It says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. This person that wants to be a steward of God, it said steward of the mysteries of God in verse 1. It says they, they want to be found faithful. It's more important because this steward is a special servant. 
As we mentioned earlier, it's a special person in that the job that they have. What's so special about this job? Verse 1, stewards of the mysteries of God. We don't want to mess that up. We don't want to mess up what we're the steward over. We want to carry that gospel just as it's found in scriptures. Now this would have had possibly a little different meaning to those in the first century in that it was a whole lot harder to find the written word. It was a whole lot harder to find the things that are written in this book. So, he said, you're stewards of the mysteries of God. You want to be sure 100% that when you carry this message, that you carry it right, that you carry it as it's supposed to be. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, he says, who shall be able to teach others also? There's something important about that word. He says, commit that to faithful men. You want it to go out and it to still be true. You want it to be taught just like God intended. We must be faithful in holding to it, in holding to the word of God, and we want it to be scriptural. We want to follow God's word just exactly and plainly and clearly as it says. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 18 and 19, it refers to the adding to or the taking away. Those that add to, it says, the plagues that are written in that book, it says, it shall be added unto them. Notice the taking away. It says those that take away from the word of God, it says their name shall be taken out of the book of life. So what do we want to do? Strive to keep it just as exactly as God wrote it. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. If you study that, it's God breathed. It's straight from his mouth. The apostle that wrote, wrote by the inspiration of God. We see the inspired word. In that we see God's word by which we live today. We want to be faithful in holding it because if you notice in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 it says blessed is he that readeth and he that heareth and it goes on to say and he that keepeth these words. The ones that follow the scripture they're blessed by it. Those that live the Christian life are blessed in doing so. There was a man when I was a young boy who taught our our class, growing up in a small congregation, there, was, there might have been two or three of us in our, in our young teenage class. But as he taught us, he taught us about the scriptures and he, he relayed all the great things that can be learned within it. And as he's coming to the close of his life, he said to us, he said, even though, even though life is over, he said, I know there is a God. He said, I've studied and I believe and I have no doubt that there is a God. He said, but if I died today and I found out that there was no heaven, I found out there was no God. He said, I promise you the life that I lived is the greatest life that I could have lived. I always think back to this man and the, the wisdom within those words because God had a standard. God had a standard for a way that we can live our lives if we live it like he said, faithful to God. If we live according to his words, there's many blessings that come through it. 
There's many heartaches that we don't have to learn from. Many people say that you can learn from others' mistakes. God made it even better than that. Before there was a mistake, God gave a way. He said, if you'll do it this way, you'll be blessed. If we'll live according to God's word, we'll live not only the greatest life that we can live here on earth, but we'll live in eternity in the greatest place that man will ever know. We want to be faithful in living the gospel just as Paul was. And he said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, he says there, he says, I press toward the prize of the high calling. He said, there's something I'm looking for. I've got my aim set and I'm working that direction. A little bit later in his life, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, or 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, he said, I have fought the good fight. He said, I finished my course. Henceforth, or I've run the race, I... I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, but not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. All those that are faithful to Christ. Just as, as Paul said, I have done it. I've ran my race. My life is, is nearing the end, he said, but I know that there's a crown that is waiting for me. If we're faithful in living God's plan, if we're faithful as stewards of God, we will receive our reward one day. As we mentioned earlier, Matthew chapter 28. Here we see we must be faithful in sharing the mysteries of God. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore into all the world. It says, Teaching all nations. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Is Mark 16, verse 15, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, starting in verse 7, 18. It says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Go and teach. The point was to go out. I just mentioned Matthew, Mark chapter... 16 and verse 15, go and teach to the world around us. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus gives us the guidelines. What do we teach? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's one way to the Father. What do we want to teach? We want to teach that way to the Father in Jesus Christ. If you would, flip forward just a couple chapters to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we'll close with this, this section of verses. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye, ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. The gospel. Notice verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel. Jesus Christ. He came to this earth. He died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again. 
We must live and adhere to that gospel. We as human beings, when we sin, we are dead spiritually. We are buried in a grave of baptism. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, we also will put off that dead person. We become a new creature in Christ. The gospel saves. The gospel is the way that one can be saved. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. How am I going to get there? By Jesus Christ. There's one way to see the Father, and that's what I want to do. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, you're buried with baptism into Christ. If you haven't done that, I encourage you, that's what we must do. We must be willing to change our lives, repent of any sin that is in our lives, any actions that, that are amiss. And we give our lives to God. We follow after Him and we strive to be like Christ. If we're willing to, to make that change and to confess Christ as our Savior, if we're willing to go and be buried, go into that grave of baptism, putting off that old man, that dead person is shed, made new, purified, justified. If we're willing to do that, today is the day. Jesus said, today, or Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time. If you haven't, if you haven't put your life in Christ, if you haven't obeyed that gospel plan, that death, the burial, and the resurrection, if you, haven't, if you haven't submitted yourselves unto it, there's no better time than now. Or if you need the prayers of us, those that are here to encourage you, if you need us to help you in one way or another, as Christians, we're here to help each other. If you have a need that we can help with, if you have a need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, don't wait till tomorrow. Acts 22:16 it says, "And why now and now why tarriest thou? Why do you wait? Don't wait any longer. Start that life with Christ as a steward of God, one that now carries the mysteries of God, the gospel to the world today. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, Make that change today. Do it right now as we stand and sing.